In case you haven't noticed, I really, really, really like to talk about excellent quality audio and how you can get it on your interviews. This episode, I'm talking with Josh from Zencaster. This is one of the best ones yet. My name is Kerry Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. This show is all about podcasting, how to do it, how not to do it, best practices, interesting news items that have to do with the realm of podcasting, and who knows what else. And I'm trying to do it all with a little bit of fun and some information to help you get a show going, keep yours going, or make it better. And if you like what's going on here on the show, I would appreciate it, oh, so appreciate it, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can find out how to do that at podcastfasttrack.com slash review. That's enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. Okay, I am very excited about this episode of the podcast. I'm talking with Josh from Zencaster at Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com. And Zencaster is a way for you to record a conversation with a guest for your podcast where it records you on your browser, on your side of the conversation, records your guest on their side of the conversation, and then syncs it to the cloud so that you don't get those glitches that Skype and Google Hangouts are prone to. So Josh, I'm so glad you're here. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, inviting me to come uh, be on your podcast. Yeah, it's great, man. So Josh, tell me just a little bit about the journey towards Zencaster. I mean, you're a developer, obviously, but how did you get the idea to do an app like this? Wow. Um, that's a bit of a story because I didn't start out thinking I was going to be making a podcast app. I actually kind of built this on the heels of a previous company that failed where I was trying to make a it was basically an app that would help electronic musicians collaborate and share their audio online. And while kind of pitching that around to people, someone said to me, I don't know about what you're building, but I do know that podcasters have a problem with getting their audio synced together. I don't, I don't remember exactly what he said because I didn't really know what he meant because I didn't know anything about that part of the podcasting process. And so I kind of put that in the back of my mind and didn't really think about it much later on when I was looking for something new to work on, it kind of kept nagging at me, you know, maybe there is something there. And so I went, I had a few friends who I'd, you know, had noticed were doing podcasts. So I asked them like, you know, what are your problems? What's, what's, you know, what was this guy talking about? And it turned out that, you know, there were some real issues there with uh, getting high quality recordings and getting the audio, you know, all together in the end from everybody's recordings. And uh, it just seemed like there's a lot of parts of the process of making a podcast that could be made more efficient. And so that's kind of where I got started. And then serendipitously, kind of at the same time, the browsers were coming out with the abilities to access the microphone and uh, route audio around. So it kind of just, was a bit lucky and kind of just happened that way. Well, that's really cool. I'm glad that it did because Zencaster, in my opinion, is one of the best apps for this. That is a browser-based app. Let's talk a little bit about how Zencaster works. I'll tell it from my perspective and you, you as the developer and the guy behind the scenes can correct me where I'm wrong and, and guide me to other features I might not know about. 
Now, I go to zencaster.com. It's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com. I have to create an account, but I don't have to download anything. I just create an account right there on Zencaster. I'm able to log into a dashboard and it asks me to create a project. So I do that. And then it takes me into a recording window, so to speak, where I see recording controls. I see the ability to invite someone. I can even set up the microphone I want to use. I can use a VoIP part where I'm assuming I can use Google Hangout or Skype in conjunction with this so that I record the audio here, but I get the video as well. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That was the original app is it ran alongside Skype or Hangouts and just recorded the audio. Um, Since then, I've added in the ability to just do the call through Zencaster, but you can still do it the old way if you want. I know some people would want to do that because they want to be able to see the person that they're talking with. But for me, for the average podcaster, it seems just to have it all inclusive like this is just so simple. So simple. Let me go back to the features in the user interface. I click on invite and it gives me a link. So I can send that link to Josh or whoever my guest is via email, via a Skype message or, or however I want to, I assume. Is that right, Josh? Yeah, you can just send it however you want as long as they're able to click on the link and follow it. Okay. What happens if that lands in an email that's on a smart device? Can they click on that link and use their smart device? They'll click on the link and then if their device supports all the stuff Zencaster needs, yes, it will j- jump them into the you know, the room to record. If it doesn't, it will then recommend that they use a, a desktop browser. Currently, Safari and Apple don't support the ability to access the microphone. So, it, you know, it won't work that if you're on an iOS device. Some people have been using uh, Android devices. Chrome on Android devices uh, supports all the necessary features. I don't officially support mobile devices yet just because uh, it is still a little bit wild west there on uh, <laughs> the you know the features being supported and then also the the devices have much smaller amounts of memory but it's coming you know eventually that will be something that uh, Apple has announced that they will be adding the functionality that's necessary so at some point you know it will be something that you can do from any mobile device or from your computer That's good to know because I know a lot of people would love being able to do it from their phone uh, in time. My guess is, though, like any recording, your recording is going to be about as good as your microphone or your capture device. Is that correct? Yeah. If you are using a mobile device, I definitely recommend having a microphone attached and not using the built-in one. And also, if you're recording a podcast while you're walking down the street, then cars are driving by, you know, it might negate some of the uh, advantage of having a high quality recording. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. That would be a unique podcast where that's part of the shtick that they do, you know, and, and I've actually thought about a podcast like that, but we are diverging into something else. Uh, Let's talk (laughs) a little more about Zencaster. When I get into the interface, I'm in kind of a green room. And when you join the recording, I see your name and your little box pop up underneath mine. And then we're able to communicate right there in a green room. So nothing's being recorded yet. That's just a wonderful feature to me that you're able to kind of set the stage and get on the same page before you start recording. And then up at the top, there's just three simple controls. There's record, stop, and pause. And you can hit record and go. And and here we are talking and you see the waveform bouncing and the timer going. It's just really a, a really clean, simple interface. Tell me what I need to know about all of that. 
hopefully you don't need to know anything. That's kind of the goal with the interface is to make it so a, your guest doesn't need to know anything at all. All they have to do is click on the link and B that it's just super simple for the host as well. We recently did a booth at the podcast movement conference and, um, it was kind of eye-opening to see how many people were there. I mean, the tickets weren't cheap. They were five or 600 bucks, I think. And most of the people there were either brand new or kind of prospective podcasters. Uh, that, mm. And they didn't know a lot about the process already. And so I took that as kind of a goal that I needed to set to make it so that you don't need to be a seasoned podcaster or to be able to understand uh, audio editing software or any of these things that previously you have to know about podcasting, if you've got something to say, you can log into Zencaster and you can record it and say it without having to really learn any tools. Uh, that's the goal. At least there's obviously still some work to be done to make it better, but hopefully we're getting close. Yeah. And that is totally appealing to me. I think one of the things I deal with and dealing with clients all the time is they want their guests, and I totally get this, they want their guests to be able to have a no-brainer experience. So they just are able to click a link and we're recording. And that's what Zencaster does, essentially. You know, Of course, you have to remember to hit the record button, which I didn't do at the beginning of our conversation. But besides that, <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty simple. Now, notice a couple of other features in here. There's a chat window. Tell me something about that. Yeah, this is a feature that you know, is relatively new. Well, what I was noticing is actually it came from this. I was in a podcast with someone else had me on their podcast and we opened up a Google doc and he was typing things into the Google doc while we were having the podcast to kind of help cue people up and say, should we talk about this or that Got and, it. and crossing out topics. And so it got me thinking like, you know, we need to find some ways to have better nonverbal communication, especially for people with you know, some people have podcasts that have three, four, sometimes more than that, uh, guests in the show and trying to keep it to where not everyone's talking around each other. Uh, yeah. talking over each, over each other is part of the thought behind that as well as the, the raise your hand button. I don't know if you've seen this cause you're the host, but I have a button where I can raise my hand that says, you know, I've got something to say. Oh yeah. I see can, it. I see that. That's yeah. great. No, I don't, I don't see that anywhere, I guess. So the host doesn't have that functionality. No, not right now. Although I've gotten some requests for hosts that want it. So it'll probably be, um, the host will have it soon as well. Yeah. That would just be a way to say to your guest, Hey, slow down here. Give me some, give me some room to speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Okay. I could see this also working the chat, working well with co-hosts where you're needing to communicate back and forth, like wrap up soon. I've got a comment to say on that subject or something like that. Where that, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've actually considered in the future doing, I, I don't know if I'll do this or not because there is kind of limited room in the web page for this, but it might be cool to be able to have like a list of topics that you want to go over and have that shown so that everyone can see it. And then maybe you can like click to mark them, you know, as sure. covered and, or maybe like you decide, oh, we're not going to talk about this after all. Let me, get rid of that one. And so everyone can kind of see where the conversation's going, but huh. we'll see. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Notice also up here, there's a footnote function. I have not played around with that at all. So tell me about that one. 
Yeah, the footnote is this is another feature that was requested by the users to, you know, common use cases would be like maybe if you coughed or there was a dog barking and you wanted to edit that out later, you could click the footnote button and you'd leave a little note that says edit this out. Another thing where it would be uh, useful would be, you know, maybe someone dropped a, talked about a web page or an iOS app that you wanted to leave in your show notes and you didn't want to forget about it. You could click that button. It'll timestamp the note and you could say, here, we talked about this website. And later when you're putting your show notes together, you can have that as a resource. Okay. I'm creating one right now. And you just, you click on the footnote thing. It gives you a little window with the timestamp of when you clicked and you're able to type in what you want, hit the little check mark and it puts it down below the chat window. My assumption is that that's going to be like a, a file attached to the media file. Is that is that right? Currently, it just is a reference for you in Zencaster. Although oh. I'm looking at in in the near future, Zencaster is going to have some publishing capabilities as well. And so at that point, you'll probably be able to have it kind of attached to the MP3 in your like ID3 tags. Hmm. I'll have to figure out a good way to handle that UI as far as you know, letting people specify if this is a personal, because you don't want a tag on your MP3 going out that says I coughed here, edit this, yeah, but yeah, you might, yeah. you want, might want one that says, here's this website. So figuring out how to organize that well is part of the reason why it doesn't do that yet. But yeah. Oh, I get that. Okay. So this is just a way for you to, to keep notes for yourself yeah. that you can mm-hmm. use when you do your editing or whatever. I, I do think it would be, I think there's a way to attach it so that like if you opened the file in audition, that then it would kind of show up as a, I forgot what they call them in audition, but there's ways to like tag the audio. Yeah. Um, so eventually, yeah, that would be really cool to do. Yeah. Well, I know in audacity as well, there's a, a label function where you can put labels on certain points of your audio. So maybe it would be uh, compatible with that as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Ideally. Well, that's that's just really cool. Now, you mentioned a possible publishing solution in the future. Wow, that sounds pretty interesting to me. So, so tell me what you've got in mind. Going back to that podcast movement conference and realizing, you know how how many people wanted to podcast that uh, didn't already know how to do it. You know, one of the goals would be to make it so that you don't have to know how to edit audio or how to do an RSS feed or how to figure out how to publish iTunes or any of that stuff. In the end, you'd just be able to come in, hit record, hit post produce, and then hit publish. And so mm-hmm. I think initially that would probably take the form of, you know, publishing it to some of the popular hosts like Libsyn and Podbean and some of those. And then eventually down the road, maybe I'll have Zencaster host the files as well as an option. Let's start wrapping up here. When I hit the stop button on our recording, what am I going to see? Essentially, not too much will change. You'll see the timer will stop, but then you'll start to see that the uploads will, all the tracks will pop in at the bottom for each one of us. And you'll see the uploads start to progress. Our conversation won't stop, but the recording will. Okay, now when you say the tracks start to pop up and upload, what? tell me what that means. For each one of us, there's two tracks being recorded right now. There's an MP3 version and then there's a WAV version. When you hit stop, it's going to finish uploading the MP3 tracks because every 30 seconds it uploads a piece of the MP3 to Dropbox. That way, if your computer crashes, you've still got an offline backup of the audio. So what happens when you hit stop 
it's already uploaded most of the MP3 right now. So it just has to finish the final little bits and then it'll show you like, you know, these are hundred percent done and then it'll start the wave uploads as well. And those take a little bit longer, but yeah, they're uncompressed files. So that makes sense. Right. So once, uh, well, let me ask you this question while they're uploading, do I, or my guests need to keep our browser open? Yes. And if you try and close your browser, it'll pop up and it'll say, Hey, don't do that. (laughs) Oh, okay. So Um, you get a warning. You get a warning. The, the reason why is, you know, the audio is stored inside your browser. And so, and although there is a backup on Dropbox and there's also a persistent backup in the browser, there's no way for me to facilitate the upload unless the browser tab is open. If you do close it or you turn off your computer or you have a crash or whatever, You've got the uh, backup on Dropbox that you can recover from. And then also as a secondary backup plan, there is a local database where the audio is stored in your browser, but you will have to reopen the browser and then click to retry the upload from the browser. I see. Okay. So once those are finished uploading, how how am I going to know that? What's going to be the difference in the appearance? Each one of them has a, while they're uploading, you'll see like an arrow with bouncing up and down to the cloud. And then there's a progress bar. And then when they're done uploading, you'll see that you, the icon has switched to a down arrow so you can download the file and there's no longer a loading progress bar. You'll just see the name of the file and the duration of the recording. Okay. I see. And so then if I want, say the wave file of my side and the waves file of your side, I just click on each of those icons and it sets up a download window so that I can put it on my computer. Correct. But if you have your Dropbox uh, app installed on your computer, Dropbox will sync it to your computer as well mm-hmm. through your Dropbox folder. Wow. So, so is it it's up, up to you do that automatically or do I have to set up that integration? No, it should do it on. I mean, if you have the Dropbox sync already set up, the the files get saved into an apps folder. It's like apps slash Zencaster in your Dropbox folder. And so if you've already got Dropbox syncing on your computer, they'll get synced in there. Oh, that's um, super helpful. That is super helpful. It might not be a, it might not be right away, but yeah. it, you know, within the next like hour or so. I I don't know how long it takes. Yeah. I don't know if there's an average amount of time it takes, but sure. it's pretty quick. I think. So that's pretty cool. So when when we finish this, my files all upload. Uh, I can just close the window and go about my business and know that those files are going to be in Dropbox for me. Uh, yeah, when they're up after they're uploaded, yeah, yeah you all can right. close the window. That is find. beautiful. And another thing to, that might be worth mentioning is after the files have all uploaded you'll have an option in your toolbar to do what's called an automatic post-production. What that does is it takes the audio files and then this really is only useful right now for people that aren't going to be heavily editing their audio, but it, it takes the audio files, it runs them through a dynamic range, compression, noise gating, it, it auto levels the tracks so the volumes are equal between the tracks and sets them to kind of the recommended volume for podcast, uh, like decibel level. And then it, um, mixes them together and then it returns to you a final mixed MP3 that you can use to then publish. Wow. That, that is a great integration. And I agree if, if people are doing a lot of editing, they may not care for that because they like to do their own little bells and whistles, but, uh, that is a great feature for people who want the simple approach to this. An upcoming feature of the pro account when that gets launched will be to have the post-productions run, but also give you back a separate track that has the audio enhancements run on it 
separate tracks for each person as well as the mixed track. So if you did want to do some editing after the fact, that's still a possibility. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Josh, tell me a little bit. You're in beta right now, which means you have a functioning product, and I would I would say a very w- well functioning product. But you're you're still making tweaks. What are you thinking on timing on when you're going to move to a pay model, and and what's that going to look like? <laughs> well, I'm a little bit behind. My goal was uh, the end of February, <laughs> but you know, life gets in the way. So I I suspect by the end of this month, we'll be moving to a paid model. If you sign up before that time, you'll be considered as a beta tester and there'll be some special deals um, available once the once it goes into a paid model. Okay, tell me about the special deals or, or just about the pricing. You don't have to go into divulging all the secrets of your special deals, but what's the pricing going to look like once you release it from beta? Um, it'll be, there'll be a basic account for $10 a month and then a pro account for $20 a month. And then there's also going to be some pricing for networks and, uh, podcast producers that have multiple accounts. And then I don't know exactly what the deal will be. I think it'll probably be like half off for the first three months and something, something around that for the beta testers. Okay. And on the basic and pro accounts, tell me the differences between those. They Basic account will have four hours of post-production of automatic post-production available a month. And then the difference between that and the, but it won't have the ability to record in wave. The pro account will be able to record in wave as well as MP3. And you'll have 12 hours of post-production a month. That'll be kind of the initial launch, but Shortly thereafter, I'm going to do a few things to kind of sweeten up the pro accounts with uh, separate tracks for the post productions, and then you know eventually some more publishing and like social sharing tools. I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea. Last question on what the future features are going to look like. You mentioned the podcast producers and and networks. Tell me what you're thinking that's going to look like. Um, I've had a lot of. There's a lot of people that either our podcast producers where they're helping multiple people create their podcasts or they have a network where they've got a lot, you know, several different podcasts kind of underneath them. Uh, The idea behind the network accounts would be to make it so that you can have a single parent account that has other accounts kind of nested underneath it so that you can see, you know, from a dashboard glance, what the status is of each, you know, you'll be able to look, okay, the golf podcast has recorded their episode for this week and they've ran their post-production and it's waiting to be published or, you know, so you can kind of see the status of each show and then, you know, probably have something to where you could have, you know, bulk kind of post-production credits that they could source from. I don't know exactly. I'm still kind of, that's a feature that won't be available immediately on the, next release but you know so i'm still there's still a little bit of uh, customer development i need to do with the uh producers and network owners to make sure that it's basically a bulk a bulk uh, account for them yeah it totally makes sense that it i mean that's got a lot more little gears in the in the machinery that you have to figure out in order to make that work well so i can appreciate having to wait on that well josh is there anything i should have asked you that i didn't ask you 
I think you did a pretty good job. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit hard to explain without trying it, but once you try it, I think it, it all becomes pretty simple pretty quickly. So yeah, I have been using it for quite a, quite a few recordings I've had to do recently with people. And I, I'm just in love with it. The more I use it because it's so simple and clean and it kind of, like I said, for the guest on the other end, it's just a no brainer kind of process. So I really appreciate that. Well, Josh, thanks so much for your time. And, and we had some trouble getting this scheduled, but I'm glad that we were able to. How can people get in touch with you and find out more about Zencaster? At Zencaster on Twitter, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. And then also you can just email me directly, josh at Zencaster.com. All right. It's perfect. Thanks, Josh. I so appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Kerry. Hello. So there you have it. Josh, Zencaster. Great audio. What's there not to like? And it is free through the rest of March 2016 and possibly even later, just depending on Josh's schedule. But I'm hoping that you can get in on the beta so that you can get that discount before Josh starts it into the paid program. So that is it, Zencaster. I hope that you'll check it out. By the way, this episode with Josh was recorded using Zencaster. So if the audio sounds extra crystal clear, that would be why. Thanks so much for listening to Podcastification. I'm glad you're with me. If you would do me a quick favor and jump on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for podcastification, it would be greatly appreciated. You are appreciated, and this podcast is all about you. Thanks so much for listening. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, and show notes all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. <laughs> <laughs>